Voices. We hear them every day. Some voices, like mine, are smooth and comforting. While, on the other hand, the Chad and Cheese podcast is like listening to a Nickelback album. You'd rather stab yourself in the ears with an ice pick. Anyway, you're now listening to Voices, a podcast series from Chad and Cheese that features the most important and influential voices within the recruitment industry. Try not to fuck it up, boys. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Welcome back. We're picking the conversation back up with Robert Ruff, president of Sovereign, industry veteran and all-around smart dude. So over the years, we've had these um, sharing consortiums uh, to, to an extent uh, where like the job foxes of the world and, and there have been some, some other alliance queue where companies that actually they had pooled uh, the resumes of individuals who didn't make it as uh, you know into their organization and they would be able to feed off of those. Why, why has that never worked? I know that there's competition spent money on those individuals, but still, wouldn't you rather see one of those individuals get a job, whether it's with you or somebody else, as opposed to having a shitty experience and just going into a black hole? I think to a certain extent, the laws have changed, though. So if you look at privacy laws, especially outside of the United States, I think uh, things where you take someone's data that was submitted to a particular place for a particular purpose and consent it just for that, and you repurpose it into a larger thing, that's probably not legal anymore. Yeah. And I I think it's getting less legal here. So I, I think maybe the day of that idea ever uh, being able to get traction, it never did in the past. Yeah. I think it's I think it's probably gone forever. What are sort of some of your I guess thought bigger thoughts in addition to that in regards to GDPR privacy and and where you see sort of the world going and how it impacts our industry? So I have a couple of different thoughts about it. I don't think the GDPR is nearly as onerous as people think. I think it makes a lot of sense, and I wish we had protections like that over yes. here. That said, what actually dismays me is that the only job function that is called out in the GDP, GDPR and it's called out twice as being explicitly subject to it is applying for jobs. Hmm. What I can't get my head around uh-huh. about that is that a resume is actually a person's advertisement publicly for a job. So yes, you may send it just to one person at a time, Mm -hmm. but by no means are you trying to let people have this idea about your data that like, don't ever share this with somebody who might use it in a way that would benefit me by offering me a fabulous job and benefits. It's not bank account info. It's not bank account info. It's not your health. It's not, you know, do you have a contagious disease? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I think think if we had a more transparent, just like you're going back to the kind of like the the pooling of resumes and whatnot, if we had a more transparent idea and 
and allowed candidates to opt into something like that. So, yeah, I would definitely love to be able to uh, AT&T, you know, Sprint or maybe all these other big companies. Yeah, I would love to have my resume provided to those companies as well. I think a lot of it has to do with transparency. We've been shit for transparency in this industry and if we just focused on being able to to treat that actual resume like a human and maybe not like shit like a human but treat like a customer because they might spend money with us then it might actually make sense but i think the transparency piece makes the most sense because that's really what gdpr is it's about being able to what you own and being transparent about what's going on yeah, I think it's about being honest about what we're going to do with your data. Yeah. Now, you don't have to go read some privacy policy and get an attorney. So Apple's newest privacy policy, I think, was 70 pages that comes down on your iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> like, sure. Okay. But but I, I agree with you. that one of, So one of the things about GDPR that's not well known is that if you're uh, subject to an automated algorithm – well, all algorithms are actually automated, but if you're subject ah. to an algorithm for a selection, maybe it's for credit extension, maybe it's for hiring, they have to let you know how that algorithm worked. Well, most AI is black box AI. Yes. And no one knows what it's doing. And they are like, well, it's just, <laughs> it's twenty it's twenty to a thousand layers of statistics of statistics. Yeah. And we don't really know how it got to the answer or why, and we can't really control it. Well that by on its face doesn't really fly for the GDPR unless you have an opt out where a human gets involved. With our software, you know, a little advertisement, we don't have that problem because we built white box AI so it does what humans do the way humans do it. Humans can be told what it's doing in human terms and can change it and control it. But I think that, you know, the idea that algorithms are something that need to be disclosed is a good idea because if they're not disclosed and they're not verifiable, there's a tremendous amount of hidden and unknown bias that is lurking in those, right? Because what we're doing is we're looking at data that's always been there about who we hired in the past. Right. And we're saying, oh, you f- you look like the people we've always hired, so we want to hire you. It's basically locking people in into a vision of the future that is exactly like their past, which is the opposite of competing in the global society we're in today where things change so much. Yeah. Well, exactly. Exactly. So those data sets, right? That big data. Remember, we always used to talk about big data. Right. Now we can crunch that big data with the algorithms. But all that data is how all the biased methodologies we, we used before. So it's like, how do we become unbiased? Well, we don't use all that biased shit. So we've got an engine that uh, we scrub out all the data about the person before we use it in the engine. So, you know, I can't look at your name and guess it's about who you are, either as a sex or nationality or anything, because I I don't see your name. Uh We scrub your name out, your address, your email addresses, uh, your date of birth, how old you are, your gender, everything that we know about you. We scrub out before Uh we use it on our engine. In addition, we get out of it. Uh, or allow you to take out of it what I think is the hidden bias that needs to just stop. And it is rampant in the U.S. And before we have the next recession, this type of bias needs to be made illegal. And it is the bias on educational attainment. Which really sucks because my email address, big stud at AOL, used to get me a lot of places. And now it's totally scraped <laughs> out from everything. So whatever. <laughs> 
Well, there, there's an app for that. But, uh, <laughs> there are many, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, what a great segue to AI. And I'm curious, you were at HR Tech this year, yeah. and AI is pretty much on every you know trade show booth in the hall. What is, as someone who's really dedicated to AI, what do you, how do you feel or what do you think when you look at all these companies, you know, touting AI and, and what that really means, if anything? Well, I think that finally people are starting to wake up and realize that if the home builder is telling you you should buy his house because he uses 18 volt cordless tools to build it, maybe that's not the compelling argument you're looking for. <laughs> that is one big pile of shit. <laughs> okay, so let, let, real quick, real quick. So, I mean, what you're saying is AI is the standard. Everybody's using it. So putting it on your booth really doesn't mean anything. The, the, the big question that we keep asking in this industry, is AI real in recruiting? And how do you define it? So AI is it's, it's not an application. It's not a solution. It's not even a tool. It's actually a toolkit. So you download the free AI software. I don't know if this is widely known, but the greatest AI software in the world is free. Google will give you the exact stuff they use in their business for free. Open source. (laughs) Yes, it's open source. So what do we know about that? We know that the AI toolkit itself has no value. If it had value, they'd sell it for something. What is the value in it? The value in it is what it can do. And what it can do is going to be limited by how much data you have, how well you've curated it, and how well you have finessed the toolkit around that data in multiple, multiple iterations. So that gets you to a working algorithm, which then has to be validated in the real world and more feedback mechanisms. But that only gets you black box AI. To do white box AI, you have to take it many steps further and you have to get the good data and the bad data and put them into separate buckets and start using those explicitly in algorithms on top of algorithms rather than having one magic thing that is uncontrollable. You have to bring it up to a level of, we started with this level of competency and we built on top of that. And that's that's what people don't understand about AI. They think that it's some type of magic that you just point it to data and it figures out everything about the data. <laughs> it's like, no, that's not how it works. So that's that's one of, my, one of the biggest issues I think we have though with AI is that if you take a look at profiles, a lot of times it's garbage, unstructured garbage, which is a very hard job for you, which you guys obviously do well. But then you take a look at the job description and that's just as much garbage as as the, the person's profile or their resume. So how do you actually take two sources that are incomplete sets of data, let's say, okay, and, and bad data and actually make that match happen? So I think I, I don't want to answer that question, but I want to answer a question that's related to it. So I'm, I'm acting like a politician now. You ask me a question, I'm going to give you. You don't want to give away the secret sauce. That's what I'm hearing. So there's another question about what's the proper use of AI and chatbots in the industry and stuff like that. And I get tired of listening to people saying that this is going to change everything. Well, let's admit that most of the hiring in any society is of the type of hiring that actually doesn't even need a resume. It's application-based. Right. And in a lot of places and a lot of jobs that you might find – thousand feet from where you're sitting right now. The only thing really required is, can you show up on time? Do you have reliable transportation? Can you pass a drug test? So those kinds of things. You don't need matching software. You don't need AI for that. You know what you need? You need an app. 
an app that reaches people in that vicinity and says, hey, got a job for you. You want to show up tomorrow? Can you do these things? Great. Is that the gig economy you're talking about? So not necessarily the gig economy, but just if I was going to hire somebody for a slot where somebody quit today at McDonald's, I know that I can't hire somebody 40 miles away. They're not going to reliably get there all the time, right? I've got a small radius and I should be able to reach people in that radius and say, look, this is uh, $11.50 an hour. This is what you do. It starts tomorrow. You need to be able to do this, this, and this. So pass a drug test. Don't show up if you're going to fail mm-hmm. the drug test, what, whatever those two or three little drivers are, that completely can be done with an app. Because as you're describing, there is no data that needs to be matched yeah. there. What we need to do is know, are you available and do you have these attributes? And these attributes are never going to be on a resume. Right, right. So almost a Tinder for jobs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and I felt from I the comments it. earlier, we were going to go that direction. For more episodes of Voices, this Chad and Cheese podcast series devoted to stories and opinions of industry leaders. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single show. For more, visit chadcheese.com. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transformed where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.